0: Millions of people watched when Buffalo Bills defensive back, DeMar Hamlin, collapsed after a tackle on Monday Night Football. Maurice and Nancy Trosclair were on their couch in Metairie.
1: We were sitting right here watching the game live, and we saw the collision, we saw him fall, we saw him get up, and when we saw him fall again, in a complete limp, the way he just, just totally just fell to the ground, totally limp, you know, we we, we both look, looked we at both each, look other each other and life. I said, like, this guy might be having a sudden cardiac arrest.
2: So I was actually visiting friends in Cincinnati over the long weekend. As I was leaving, my friends were going to the game. Uh, so I got on a plane to New Orleans. That's Owen Donlin from the Tulane School of Medicine. I'm assistant professor of medicine, a cardiac electrophysiologist. I specialize in heart rhythm disturbances. I was actually watching the game on the plane when it happened. When you see something like that occur... There are a number of things that go through your mind. Most importantly, you pray for the person and their family and hope that they do okay. Back in Metairie,
0: Maurice kept watching, but with some inside knowledge that he gained by experiencing something that not many people live to talk about, sudden cardiac arrest. According to the Cleveland Clinic, sudden cardiac arrest is the largest cause of natural death in the U.S. About 325,000 adult Americans die from it each year.
1: You know, we're watching it. They showed it one time, a couple of times, they cut to the commercial. Okay. And then, you know, I think in in my mind, I'm like, if it's a cardiac arrest, the clock is ticking. Every minute that passes, your chances of survival go down ten percent without being defibrillated, you know. And so it was four or five minutes, they came back. There's a hundred Football players, trainers and coaches surrounding this, and Joe Buck says they delivered CPR. We, were we like, knew exactly I knew it. We knew exactly. <laughs> we knew exactly what it was, And then to see it live, I got it 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 shook me up.
0: It did.: That's because Maurice went through something similar to what he was watching on live television. Before we go any further, we should say for anyone who doesn't know that DeMar Hamlin survived and actually was released from the hospital a few days later. We'll get into more about what caused his heart to suddenly stop. But let's get back to Maurice and Nancy and why they believe all of this can help us to potentially save a life one day.
3: What I was thinking was, this guy's got to be lucky. He's got at least one doctor on each team. <laughs> He's got an ambulance in the wing. There's AED. I said, if this is the most perfect scenario for someone. There's no guessing. I mean, as soon as they got the pads on him, within minutes, they were going to be able to to defibrillate. Very rarely, if ever, does someone have that immediate access to everything right. that was needed. So his
1: outcome was going to be as good as it could possibly be.
0: I think the strange thing was, before any of this was revealed, before we knew it was a sudden cardiac arrest, I think there was a high potential and a high level of nervousness that A, millions of people are watching a medical emergency of one person, one football player. And I think the, the fear, especially on the television side, was, my God, we don't want to show somebody dying on television. Like, what do we do? I think it was just a, collectively just a strange experience yes, but, for all of us to see it. But
1: they just did. As soon as, he hit the, as soon as he hit the turf, he was dead. He
3: was dead before he hit the turf.
0: They would know. In 2017, on Valentine's Day, Maurice had just finished running on the levee along Lake Pontchartrain and was heading back to his office. At that time, he was working for an oil company as a geoscience technician. Maurice got on an elevator and was texting Nancy. They had plans that day.
1: Yeah, I got on the elevator to go up is when I collapsed. When we got stopped at the floor where the health club was, one person held the door of the elevator, because these doors would close on their own. Well, anyway, one person went to go call 911, the elevator doors ultimately closed and took me to another floor, on the you know, on the floor. The doors opened up and there was and there's Susie, who worked in the building, who saw me all dressed up to go out for lunch on Valentine's Day, said, I guess this guy is got, needs some help on Valentine's Day, so she jumped on the elevator, began chest compressions. Um, I would say, I don't know, maybe two or three minutes after my collapse, which is a long time. Um, And the doors closed again. We went on a wild elevator ride. Uh, She gave me quality CPR. Being a nurse, you know, you need to have the proper, you know, um, compressions, you know, depth and frequency, you know. and uh, when the elevator doors opened up, there was another nurse. They did tag team CPR. Ultimately, the elevator came down to the first floor. Someone brought an AED. That was at the health club, okay? They were able to shock me before EMS arrived, okay? They did, administered shocks once, twice. They tried three times. Two, The first two worked, I think the second, the third one didn't. There's, maybe my, they restored circulation, you know, uh, temporarily, uh, but I was not stable.
0: I'm gonna push pause here for a second. Maurice is describing what was eventually relayed to him from the people who were there. In that moment, he was lifeless.
1: I didn't mention that when I collapsed, I dropped my phone, okay, and someone was smart enough to call the last person that I was texting, which was my wife on Valentine's Day. She called my wife who proceeded to listen to the entire resuscitation for the next hour live on the phone.
0: And you're listening to this yes. live as this is happening on your phone. Right. What's going on in your head as you're bracing yourself for possibly the worst well, Honestly,
3: case? at first, I thought it was a joke. Um, We've been together a very long time. Valentine's Day is kind of a good day for us. And I, when I answered that phone, hey, babe, happy Valentine's Day. That awkward silence and then a stranger's voice that says, do you know someone who works at Lakeway? Yeah, of course I do. You're using his phone. I could tell it was his phone. Okay, well, we think he's had a heart attack. And I'm like, get out of here. And I I said, well, okay, um, can you tell me what symptoms he has? And she says, we're giving him CPR now. At that moment... A, I knew this was a real deal, and I also, believe it or not, knew the difference between a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And at that point, when someone says they're giving you CPR, um, there's only one doctor here ever that I've heard call it what it really should be called, and it's sudden death. For me, the hardest part was I was watching the clock, 28 minutes, at 28 minutes, and they're still giving CPR. There's no EMTs there yet. At 30 minutes, I know they're shocking. Bystanders using an AED, there's no. uh, So for me, it was a clock. And I'm like, we're at 35 minutes. I thought I was going to the house. When I finally heard, we're cleared for EJ. I heard the EMT say, we're cleared for EJ. And I said, ma'am, does that mean they're going to East Jefferson? Yes. Now I will get in my car and go. And I still got there before they did. And I could not understand except... For me in my head, I was I guess I was preparing myself for the worst.
1: The last thing I remember before that collapse was texting my wife. In fact, you know, I, I was text texting mid text when I collapsed because I didn't finish typing what I was gonna type. That's when I dropped my phone.
0: And that's the last thing you remember?
1: The next thing I remember them wheeling me out of the hospital four days later. Okay. Hmm. That entire time in the hospital, I had full discussions, conversations with people visiting me. I remember nothing. They tell me I was, I was heavily sedated, but I was awake, you know. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I kind of think your brain, having had this happen, I think the brain is kind of like a computer. With a cardiac arrest, it just, the switch goes off. With a computer, if you pl- unplug a computer, and you plug it back in, it takes a little while to reboot. And sometimes you don't have all the data. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's kind of a, you know. so your brain needs to reboot. So did I experience all the things that were going on in the moment? No. But as the mind was cleared weeks later, something started to surface.
0: One thing that came in clearly was how lucky he was to be alive.
1: ICU, four days later, I'm released, just like Damar Hamlin, four days later, you know? Neurologically intact only because I was the recipient of what they call uh, a near-perfect chain of survival, which is bystander intervention, early compression, calling 911, getting an AED, shocking, person, if you can get a publicly accessible AED, if not, you have to wait for EMS. EMS arrival, post-cardiac care, and then recovery, you know. So I had all the things just happen perfectly for me on that elevator that day.
2: Without going into rankings, it is a very serious condition. Here's Owen Donnellan the cardiac electrophysiologist. 90% of people who suffer out-of-hospital cardiac arrests don't ultimately survive you know, in the the grand scheme of things, it is associated with poor outcomes. There are a few other conditions with that gravity associated with them.
0: So in many ways, and just with that understanding, DeMar Hamlin is the extreme exception in a miracle story almost because so many things had to
2: happen correctly at the right time for him to have this outcome. Absolutely. It really is a miracle. You know, again, in a controlled environment such as a football stadium, basketball court, other sports arena um, where emergency personnel and equipment are immediately available, I think the chances of survival and having a good outcome are significantly better than the man on the street who suffers a sudden cardiac arrest.
1: As time went on, I educated myself more about the condition. I reached out to other survivors um, and I have really... Gained a really strong awareness of just how lucky I was and How fortunate I was when you consider one in ten people survive a a Sudden cardiac arrest out of
0: the hospital as you laid it out Nancy. I mean it it was sudden death Mm -hmm. I mean, do you feel like you came back from? Death yes What's that like?
1: as I was saying earlier the weeks after your brain rebooting, revisiting things surfacing about that moment. Um, I I realized that yes, you know, I was I was going, I was moving on. Definitely, it was a it was an incredible. Uh, people ask me this. It was just an incredible feeling of um, of peace indescribable peace and selfishly you know wow what a what a way to go painless here i am but i was not done
0: what does that do to you spiritually i mean what do you do with the knowledge of i was gone and now i'm still here like how does that change your outlook
1: i think it's really just how you know you just got to be you got to treat people right. you got to be nice. you got to do unto others. You know, I mean, that the golden rule is just totally, I, I really feel that, you know, we bring, we take all of that with us and we leave it behind when we go.
0: Do a lot of things seem trivial when you see stuff that's just on social media and you got to think, man, after understanding what the other side might look like or I might not even be here, some of this stuff just kind of seems like BS.
1: Oh, it is. It is. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of noise, um, and...
3: Can I address that? Yeah. It changed my whole career. It made what I was doing somewhat trivial. My company, a company that I owned for 23 years called Destination New Orleans. It's an amazing business, um, bringing groups to New Orleans and conferences and conventions, but when I put it down into a nutshell, I didn't really care what color the napkins were anymore. <laughs> You know, and what my clients were asking me to do didn't feel important anymore. And when Maurice came to me and said, what are we going to do? And I said, what do you mean, what are we going to do? He's like, how are we going to pay this forward?
0: To pay it forward, in 2018, Maurice and Nancy established Heartbeat NOLA, an educational program to get as many people in the New Orleans region as possible, trained in CPR, and to get more automated external defibrillators or AEDs in public places. They gave me a crash course on CPR, and it started with chest compressions on a mannequin. And as you're listening, think of the song Stayin' Alive.
1: Stayin' Alive, Stayin' Alive. Ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, Stayin' Alive, Stayin' Alive. Baby shark doo 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 Baby shark doo 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 Baby shark doo 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 Baby shark
0: so you're not. So you're just. You're not stopping. I mean, you just. Well,
1: you do. You you do thirty compressions, huh?
3: Hands only CPR. What would you stop for? Yeah, you wouldn't. You had no
1: reason to stop. if You're not going to give the breaths. Traditional
3: CPR. We taught. We teach thirty compressions to two breaths. Right. So that would be a more professional level. But if you only were comfortable giving compressions, then just give compressions until somebody replaces you or until you're exhausted.
0: Right. So I didn't, I didn't get the area or the position because you said it was very important. So it's yeah. right in the middle. And, yeah. and this is a, Between a female the nipples, mannequin. Yeah.
1: Between the nipples, typically, yeah. And... the um,
3: Center of the neck, ne- the chest. You hard the fast. nipples as yeah. a center. So draw a line connecting, your, connecting the nipples, which will align to the center of the chest. That's yeah. your spot. Yeah. Then you would use the heel of one hand covered by the other hand so that you can get your arms straight. Use the leverage from your back so that you can get as deep as possible. So
0: that fatty side, the the end of your your wrist. Really hard on that palm of your hand. Okay.
1: Yeah, and and, and having your shoulders on top like this allows you to get the the full leverage of your weight. Get out of here, Boogie.
0: So straight, straightening your elbows not bending them obviously yes yes
1: you want to straighten your elbows because then you'll, you you'll use your body to get get the compression because it is a very physical thing to do you know i mean it's you're, you're going two two and a half inches deep you know and you're breaking ribs you know um
3: you will could potentially hear cartilage crunching that's when you really know you're probably doing it right
0: Right. So it takes a lot of force. I mean, now, you shouldn't back off on Oh, no, force. no, no. Oh, no. You want to go full on. Full on. Yeah. Full speed.
3: Harder, deeper, faster.
1: Yeah. Because it's going to get, the, the blood is going to go to the brain, through the carotids. You
3: know? And of course, that's why being on a yeah. bed or a sofa or something like that. It has to be a hard surface.
0: So when do you, or why or when should I go mouth to mouth? Or is that required?
3: Children. Children. <laughs> Children often really need that um, because their blood doesn't carry as much oxygen in it. Their bodies are smaller. So the amount of oxygen that's carried within the blood is less. So for a child, especially up to the age of about eight or nine, um, doing 30 compressions with two breaths is suggested.
0: So 30 times and then how many breaths? Two. Two. And then Mm -hmm. keep going with 30 compressions. Yes, and if you have someone that can
3: help you, At the point you do breaths, someone else can come in and take over the compressions so that you can give each other a break.
0: Tag team. And you can
3: teach someone else to help you while you're doing it.
0: So ideally, for an adult, should we do mouth to mouth as well as we're doing compressions or no?
3: I think the message we really want to express today is that hands-only CPR is an incredibly effective way to keep oxygen going, not just to the brain, but also to the vital organs. And if you focused your energy and your physical attention to the hands-only CPR, the compressions, you would be doing a great job. Because
1: think about it, when you stop doing compressions, you got to position open up the airway. That's all takes time. That's precious time. Well, you could have had several compressions during that time and you're not going to get as much bang for your buck than the compressions. Also,
3: if you have an AED right there and doing compressions, stop compressions. Get the AED in there as soon as possible because once you shock that person, you could very well put their heart back into rhythm and you will no longer need the compressions. Right. So really, the, the most important part of it all is the AED. Yeah. But until then, you gotta keep the compressions yeah. going.
0: Owen Donlin says this kind of training is seriously needed, and the Demar hamlin incident can help raise awareness about it.
2: Seeing this and all the coverage it's received, it raises several important issues. Who is trained in CPR? Where are AEDs available? and you know how do we educate the broader public in cpr you know where they don't have to pay and attend courses etc
0: in your view how equipped or how prepared is the public in your view in your opinion
2: to be honest i think very poorly equipped i think basic life support is something we should you know ev- everyone should be trained in i think these courses should be introduced free of charge in school in schools if a situation were to arise where one needed to initiate bystander CPR, um, where are the AEDs? How do we know where they're available? If this happens up the road on Poydra Street or even in, in this building, who knows where the defibrillators are? How do we access them? As we always say, time is muscle. The sooner CPR is initiated the better, and the sooner we access an AED, the better that is also, and we, we simply can't just wait for an ambulance to arrive on the scene.
1: I think if you had to, 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 to gauge how, how ready we are as, as, a, as a public, I mean, we, we're nowhere close. We All you have clubs.
3: to do is walk around New Orleans, in and out of hotels, restaurants, pubs, bars, look for an AED. If you find one, you're lucky.
0: I don't even know what it looks like. Now you do. There's yeah, three different
3: ones yeah. sitting on the counter yeah. over there. After today, I will. So, yeah. um, you know what? But I bet you you know where to find a fire extinguisher. I do. There should be an AED with that fire extinguisher. That way we would all know where More they are. More
1: people die of sudden cardiac arrest than fires. Okay. And, and yet it's ridiculous. We have, I mean, yet we have fire extinguishers everywhere. You got
0: smoke <laughs> alarms, you got plenty of stuff for. Because government, government is
1: involved well, with
3: it's, that. It's yeah, government you, is not involved with this. Yeah. There are no major, you know, legislation that covers what it should cover.
1: Yeah. I mean, locally that I mean, statewide there are there are a statewide mandates to have AEDs in schools, but not all of them. It's a non-funded it's, it's mandate. It, it, it to be non-funded, so sometimes these people, you know, don't have the resources to make that happen.
3: Matter of fact, in the state of Louisiana, the only people required by law, businesses required by law to have a defibrillator, are um, health clubs with membership greater than fifty members, casinos, and in theory, interscholastic sports um, at the college level. So a dealer, you know, and then there's this this non-funded mandate about having AEDs in schools. But there's a lot of non-funded mandates about a lot of things. I'm a former teacher, um, where you can't hold me accountable for that because you didn't even give us the funds or the resources to have it.
0: Obviously, the general public isn't very aware, isn't very knowledgeable about CPR. If somebody is apprehensive, doesn't know how to perform CPR, hasn't had the training, and then somebody falls in front of them, what is your advice at that point? Because A, from what I understand, I mean, there can be injuries. Some people are apprehensive about, I don't want to injure this person.
3: They're dead.
1: Well, <laughs> what do You, you know, well, if you they, can't yeah.
3: hurt a dead person. And almost anything that happens during CPR, and if you're doing really good, hard, deep CPR, a broken rib or two is not um, is not unheard of. But you can fix that. Even if that, the worst case scenario, let's say we crack a rib and it punctures the lung. We can fix that. We can't fix dead. So what have you got to lose? So I tell everybody, almost everybody knows a vague concept of hands. No one really knows how good hands-only CPR is, which we preach a lot. No more mouth-to-mouth resuscitation is not necessarily needed. But I just say to anybody, please give it a try please give it a try and, and it, grab an aed i don't know how to use it turn it on turn it on like any other electronic device it will tell you what to do and it will never it will never provide a shock to somebody who doesn't need it you cannot harm someone with an aed it can't happen
1: yeah and, you know and, and if you call 9 one they they can walk you through it you know um
3: they will walk you through yeah, the, CPR yeah. while they're well, sending their ambulance to you. Right, you know. Give the, it a try. What have you got to
1: lose? Well, you, you have nothing to lose.
0: While chest compressions are critical, Maurice, Nancy, and Owen Donnellan all told me access to AEDs is perhaps more important. But they can be expensive, starting around $1,500 on the lower end. So far, Heartbeat NOLA has managed to help to get AEDs into five local music clubs. They started with music clubs because it seemed natural. Maurice is also a musician, playing the trombone with the likes of Delfeo Marsalis and the Uptown Jazz Orchestra. After his sudden death, his bandmates nicknamed him Miracle Mo. Getting a second chance at life inspired Miracle Mo to write and produce an entire album titled Grateful. Maurice and Nancy believe in their own small way, Heartbeat Nola's work is helping to make a difference.
3: So we went to Rock and Bowl. We wanted to see Rock and Bowl get one, and we spoke with John Blanchard, and John Blanchard looked at us like, we should already do this. Thank you for making this seem possible, and we don't want you to donate it. Go to somebody else who needs that better. We'll do it on our own. So they did, and within three months of them installing that defibrillator, they had an incident on Zydeco Night. Uh, A man dropped. One of the other people dancing, a woman recognized cardiac arrest immediately, started CPR. A little employee comes over with that defibrillator. It's all on on their security cameras. It's all on video. Shocked him. He was sitting up and talking before EMS arrived.
0: Of course, there's a reason why it's called sudden cardiac arrest. You can't predict when it's going to hit. Regarding what happened to Damar Hamlin, it's accurate to call it a freak occurrence. Here's Owen Donnellan again.
2: In this case, it appears to be a very uncommon sort of freak occurrence that we call commotio cortis. Now commotio cordis is a diagnosis of exclusion, once we've ruled out all the other things that can result in sudden cardiac arrest.
0: Family history, diet, or clogged pipes, or stuff like that?
2: Typically in athletes, we're talking more about you know ion channel disorders, hereditary conditions, uh, things like long QT syndrome, brigada, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, uh, and the list goes on. But once we've excluded all those things, uh, typically after a blunt trauma to the chest, commotio cordis becomes, you know, the most the most likely uh, diagnosis. Most common with baseball players, where they take take a baseball to the chest, and there's just a 20 millisecond interval during which that hit can result in sudden cardiac arrest.
0: For Maurice, his family history told him there was potential for some heart issues.
1: I was a runner, okay? I ran because I knew we had cardiac disease in my family. So this was the day I was trying to avoid, you know, by running races, marathons, to try to keep healthy and everything. But it turns out that I have an arrhythmia. I had what is called bradycardia, okay, which is a... So um, it's a low heart rate, okay, it's tachycardia, bradycardia. Uh, mine was a slower one. And if you couple that with a blockage, it can cause sudden cardiac arrest. So
0: was there any warning? No. He got no warning in May of 2021. During a trip to California, the nickname Miracle Mo took on even more meaning when he had a second cardiac arrest. This time at a grocery store
1: in Groveland, which is about four miles outside of Yosemite, we went there. I'm bagging groceries, okay, and Nancy's on the you know on the belt putting the groceries on, and I just
3: I just the light switch went the out. The light again. switch went
1: out again, and I just went like this.
3: well you actually yeah. went over the thing? So I hear the cashier say, "Sir, sir, are you are, are you okay?" quickly he said sir are you awake boom i go into action he slumped over here grab his shirt take him down to the ground start my cpr i mean there was like i knew exactly i knew the moment that the cashier said are you awake
0: once again a chain of people and events came together to make survival for maurice possible and not just survival maurice says the quick response he received helped preserve his brain and body functions His and DeMar Hamlin's emergency took place in public. And that's crucial because people were there to help. But that's not the usual scenario for sudden cardiac arrest.
3: Statistically, this is going to happen to somebody you love when you're with them. 70% happen in the home. Do you love the people you live with? Your wife, your children, maybe a mother-in-law? You know, if if statistically it happens in the home, wouldn't you want to do anything you could? to bridge the gap between that death episode and the ambulance coming. You would do anything for the people you love. Why wouldn't you learn something as relatively simple as CPR?
0: By definition, these are emergencies, so you can't really say when it's gonna happen. But if, in a preferable setting, it sounds like it should happen in public, your best chances are happening in public, because somebody might see you, and as in the case of the Buffalo Bills Mm -hmm. game, it definitely helps if it happens with a lot of cameras on you. Mm-hmm. I heard from a person that works in emergency response who said, actually one of the weirdest and best places for you to have an emergency, or medical emergency, is in a casino. Yeah, yeah. Because cameras everywhere. Cameras everywhere and they're always watching. Right.
3: And in Louisiana, they have defibrillators.
1: Being a citizen first responder and being ready to recognize and be ready to act, you know, you're gonna give somebody the best chance. And when, when you, Take a look back at the entire process of my collapse to my release. It's like a village, a village of people
0: saved my life. Considering what Miracle Mo has been through, you know that what he's saying is really coming from the heart. In Metairie,
1: staying alive, staying alive. Uh,
0: uh, uh, I'm Ton Trung alive. for WWL Radio.
1: Baby shark, doo doo Baby shark,